It's not like it's abnormal, but um, I, ran a, I, ran, I ran across something, and, um, and this is what I ran across on Amazon. It saved the chubby unicorns. <laughs> I really didn't have anybody to buy that for, but I thought that was funny, <laughs> nonetheless. Nonetheless. Also, um, are y'all... Are y'all, anybody go to the movies this weekend? Anybody go to the movies this weekend? No. Okay, we'll hire some, couple people. Okay, yeah, you did. Yeah, Quinn and I, Quinn and I went to the movies, and um, there's a movie that we wanted to see, obviously, um, because that's why you go. Uh, it's kind of like if you go to a restaurant, you go there to eat, you go to the movie, yeah, right. So I went to the movies, and we bought, we bought these tickets, and um, I told Quinn I wasn't going to buy him any popcorn, so he got money from Moneybags, his mama. And uh, so let me, let me tell you how this normally works. When we go to the movies, I go into the theater to scope it out, get our chairs, and I sit there and I wait for my family to come. My daughter also goes with me um, to do that, and Quinn and his mom goes to the concession stand and they buy all the stuff. So you need to know that before I tell you this. So we, we're standing in line at the concession stand, and um, he ordered a bag of popcorn, which is this big. I just want you to get the size of this. And a regular Coke, like not even that, not the big one, just like a 16-ounce little Coca-Cola in a, in a cup, right? And that was $14.58. If you want to go somewhere else and get a deal like that, you have to go to Disney World. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I could not believe how much. That was more than, his, than our um, tickets to the movie. That was absolutely incredible. So I was standing there, and I was, while he was ordering, um, I was looking at their bottled water, and I was thinking, man, I might would like a, a bottled water, but then that came out to be $14.00. And I thought, well, I need my $50 to pay my water bill. You know what I mean? Instead of buying that bottled water, just absolutely unbelievable. Um, how many of you are familiar kind of with Advent? You familiar with Advent? Yeah. Um, right here is a picture of an Advent uh, calendar. It actually has doors in it, and there's chocolate inside, right? So the first day you open it up, and you do the Advent thing, and you eat the chocolate. Um, and, and that's what you do. I don't know if you know this or not, but historically, um, way back, uh, Christians celebrated the first of December as the beginning of the year. The reason that they didn't want to celebrate January as the beginning of the year is because of the goddess Janus that January is named out of. And Janus is a, uh, a Roman god that has two heads that looks forward and backwards. And so I was talking earlier to somebody, and that's actually the reason people make New Year's resolutions. Um, we, we do it more as goals today, but back then, they were actually making commitments to this God, Janus. And so they would say, we'd be better this year, we'd do this this year, I know we're looking back and all this kind of stuff. So, so instead of having that as the beginning of the year, Christians decided that it would be December. So they started this thing called Advent, Right? And so Advent begins the Christian year, and then it progresses into January, where the wise men came. That's when they celebrate that. And it's, it goes all the way through to Easter, right? And they celebrate that. And then it goes all the way to October, where they celebrate the victory over darkness 
because you go from October 31st to November the 1st, which is All Saints Day, and that is when all of that is defeated. It's kind of a symbolic of, of the final battle, so to speak. And then you go into the rest of November thanking Lord Jesus for the victory that you have in him. Then you end the year with Thanksgiving and you start it back on December the 1st with Advent and you start that all over. And there was a rhythm, there was a rhythm to that life, okay? There was a rhythm to, to that. So with two out of three things that I just presented to you in mind, <laughs> turn to Luke chapter two. You get to pick which two out of three. Luke chapter two. Actually, Luke chapter one, I'm sorry. Luke chapter one, and we'll begin reading with verse 26. And this is what it says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed, sorry, I almost couldn't say that word, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, old favor one, the Lord is with you. Can I have a little more light in the room so I can see people's faces? That'd be great. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end." And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Virgin, not version, not a version of Mary. It's virgin. I'll try to say the I. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is an amazing story about an angel that visits somebody and tells them some good news, and that person asks a very um, good question. How in the world can I have a baby? I've never known a man. And she gets that question answered. And then at the very end of this, she, with faith, just says, and Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She accepted the message. She accepted it. Now, in the beginning of the Bible, in um, Genesis chapter 3, there's another lady that gets visited by a fallen angel. And that angel comes in the form of a snake in a tree, or a serpent in a tree, and begins to talk to her. 
And uh, before, there had been this proclamation from God that says, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here is this fallen angel in a different form coming to this woman and telling her that God really didn't say this. He really meant this. And if you eat of the tree, you will have this. And he doesn't want you to have that. He doesn't want you to have full understanding. He doesn't want you to have the full scope of life. He doesn't want you to have a certain type of knowledge. So here is an angel at the beginning of the story that comes in and deceives a lady. And here is a, a person in kind of the middle of the story that gets an angel that says, okay, let's do this. I'm, I'm in. Let it be as you said. So Eve had a fallen angel talking to her and Mary had a regular angel talking to her. Eve had an angel that tried to convince her to do something. Do this, and this is why. Tried to convince her to do something. Mary's angel just announced what God would be doing. Didn't try to convince her. Just said, this is what's going to happen. Eve was deceived and went with the art of deception, and Mary didn't. She took the announcement by faith. Now, here's, here's the rub. You and I either, either live on the side of deception or the side of announcement. We either take the word of God for what it actually says, and we live it, or we take the word of God and we make it into whatever we want it to say so that we can live like we want to live. There are believers that take the scripture, believers, I don't know, God does that, but believers that take the scripture and they want to participate in this sin and they take the scripture and they mold it and mush it and move it to match whatever they're trying to do. That is deception. That is the art of the enemy. These people are saying, God really didn't say that. He really doesn't feel that way about what I am doing. And it's okay for me to do this. And they are deceived. And then there's another type of Christian that takes the word of God for what it says and does it. They just do it. Thou shalt not whatever. Okay. It's probably a good idea if I don't do that. God has told me not to do that, so I'm not going to do that. It's not a good idea for me to covet my neighbor's stuff. It's not a good idea for me to kill somebody. Okay. Some of you are scaring me right now. You're like, I don't know. It might be a good idea. I could think of a few people I'd like to, you know, kill. And, and there's other announcements too. For instance, in the New Testament, go into all the world and make disciples. It's an announcement. It, it's not a moment where we say, well, what did he really say? He really didn't say that. He really meant us to do this. And he really meant us to, to kind of merge into culture and do what the culture is doing so that they know that we love. And if we stand for what the word of God says, they won't know that we love because the word of God is kind of harsh at times. See, you, you have this kind of deal. And when we start going down that road, we begin to be deceived and we live on the other side of the announcement. You see... When you live on the side of deception, 
You're living for yourself and you're just trying to figure out what you can experience. When you live on the side of announcement, you have a different kind of life that you could have never imagined. It's just totally different. You, you couldn't imagine it in your, in your fondest dreams, the type of life you have. You live on the side of just doing what God's word says. When you live on the side of deception, it takes you away from the miraculous. It takes you away from the miraculous and it puts you into the natural. And you live this natural sort of life and everything seems to be fine, but it's all natural. It's not miraculous. When you live by the word of God, you live in an arena of the miraculous. There are things that happen in your heart that you can't explain. There are answers to prayer that you can't explain. There is stuff that happens to you that you just can't explain. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, there is nobody in here that's going to have another virgin birth. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. There's nobody in here that's going to do that. Nobody at all. If you have an angel appear to you and they say that um, you're going to produce a, uh, a baby and you're a virgin, um, that is just not, you've been smoking something, drinking something, eating too much pizza, I don't know what you're doing, all morphine, I don't know what's happening, that's just not going to happen. There's only one person, one person, one lady, that was going to have a baby without knowing a man, and that's it. But you have other announcements. And the moment that you step away from those announcements, and you get into the natural, you walk away from the miraculous. From the miraculous. There is things that happen around you all the time that the only explanation for them is God. Okay, I'm the only one? I'll give you an example. I have prayed for a certain individual in this church to get better for over a year. He's been in and out of the hospital. He was in the hospital for a long particular stint of time. At one point, we thought maybe he would pass away, and that broke my heart, to be honest. But we kept praying, and this morning, that man is sitting right there. And when you live in the announcements of God, that God hears the prayers of his servants, and he's going to do his will, and then God does something, and he heals a man and brings him back, that is miraculous. You cannot pray and get your prayers answered when you are living in deception. God says that when you are living in sin, which is not according to the announcements of his word, he does not hear your prayers. He doesn't hear them. Not gonna hear them. In fact, in Revelation, this is not a salvational verse. This is a fellowship verse. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who hears me, if he opens the door, I will come back into him and will fellowship with him. You see, when we give into deception and we say that the word of God doesn't really say that, it was written for another time, it, God, it meant for that culture, and we just go down the road, what we have done is we have moved Jesus out the door. And Jesus wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to be with you. See, the reason that Gabriel came and told Mary this is because God, a long time ago, before the foundations of the world, decided that he was going to send his son to walk among 
us. He decided to do that before he'd ever created anything. He decided that he wanted to dwell with the people that he created. That's an amazing thought. That's an amazing thought. There are people right now that I would rather not dwell with. It's not Nicole, so don't go there. But there's people right now. There's people right now that I plan not to dwell with that have done something against you. Come on, you're just like this. That you'd like to keep your distance. You'd like to keep them away. You'd like to push them aside. You'd like to stick them in a corner. You would like to not be in the same room with them. Here is God looking at you that you have sinned against him and done all kinds of stuff against his holiness. And before the foundation of the world, he decided that you were worth a plan to be born of a virgin, announced by an angel, him born, made flesh and bone, and dwelling among us to save our souls. It's an amazing, amazing thought. And here, you either live on the side of deception or you live on the side of announcement. And I submit to you today that you should strive to the very best of your ability to live on the side of announcement. God announces to you that it is better to wait to have sex until you're married. God announces to you that it is better to stay with the woman that you married at the beginning, all the way through, that marriage should not be broken. God tells you that whatever marriage you're in right now, that you should remain faithful to that person right now. God has already told you, and I know I'm hitting marriage a lot, God has already told you that marriage is not an easy thing, that you have to work on it, so you just stay faithful. God has told you to read your Bible every day. God has told you to witness to people that are always that are around you at any given moment. God has told you to live for him. God has told you to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, let go of hate, let go of bitterness, let go of um, gossiping, let go of, let go of, let go of, and live for him. God has made an announcement that if you live like that, you will live in the arena of the miraculous and he will look at you and say, that person I am well pleased with. They are living what I've asked them to do. That's an amazing thing. Well, Philip, man... I don't know how in the world you are getting that particular thing. I mean, I kind of get it, but like from, from Mary and, and the angel. Well, in this passage of scripture, the angel tells Mary she is highly favored. Why is she highly favored? She is highly favored Because to the best of her ability, she's living the announcements of God concerning the law. She is following him to the best of her ability, and she has faith in that. If you don't think there's something to this announcement thing, there is something to this announcement thing. God says to do this, and you do that. Now, how many of you are traveling for the holidays? By traveling for the holidays, a couple of people traveling, you're traveling. Where are you traveling to? Oh. <laughs> At what point will you sing, I wish I was in Atlanta Cotton? Oh, that's offensive, sorry. Come on, that was funny. That was funny. Yeah, at what point? Do what? It's already begun, you got the soundtrack of your car? 
Where are you headed? Fayetteville. Oh, Fayetteville, just right down the road in North Carolina. So still, still in, in the South, God's country. Right? Listen, God, Bethlehem, I don't know if you know this, is South. Okay? And it's the northern kingdom that fell first. I'm just trying to, I'm not trying to say the Dixie lie, but I'm trying to say there's something to north and south. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Nicole and I used to live in Kentucky. We lived there for five years, and uh, we would always come home at Christmas. And there's nothing like crossing the North Carolina border. And there is nothing like pulling up into the driveway where you grew up in, where you grew up at, the house that you grew up at. There's nothing like walking into that house after not being there for a very long period of time. After five years of living in Kentucky, um, which was south of the, of the you know, yeah, so we're still southern, um, we came back to North Carolina and, and moved here and um, we rented, a, rented an apartment, then we rented a house, then we bought a house. But there, there was a stability that happened as soon as we made it back to Forsyth County and Guilford County. See, we have roots here. Uh, Nicole has roots in Papaf Town. <laughs> right? <laughs> you talk about a weird spell. It. Her, name, by the, her dad's name, by the way, is Rathley together because there was a discussion in marriage about that. I came back to Colfax, and I had actually lived a little while in, in Winston-Salem, knew the area, just had roots here. There's, there's something about home, and there's some type of security and some type of feeling you have when you're home. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. There's sometimes I've been on vacation, and as good as vacation is, it's always good to come back to your house. It's good to walk in the door and smell the smells and uh, spend the night in your bed that particular night. It is nice to be home. It is just nice to be home. Now, if you go back over to um, verse 26, it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I don't, I don't know if you know much about Nazareth, but Na Nazareth was a hole in the wall in Israel. In fact, if you were on a camel... By the way, Mark Lowry has said that a Campbell was made by a church committee. Okay, Mark Lowry. Yeah, I thought that was funny. If you were riding on a Campbell, you could actually blink and miss Nazareth. It was really tiny. In fact, most of the houses were, were in caves. It wasn't like the little square houses that you see on the movies and stuff like that. They were actually in caves. They were dug into the ground and they lived in a cave area. It was one of the poorest places in Israel. That's why the scripture says, what it, one person says, what good can come out of Nazareth? Because Nazareth was across the tracks. Nazareth was the place you didn't want to live. And this is exactly where Mary lived. So this is a picture of, of a house in Nazareth. Now, the upper portion of the screen is not it. What you're looking at is, do you see this door right here at the bottom? That's the entrance into one of the cave dwellings that Mary might have lived in. There, there's only like 30 of these in Nazareth that they have found so far. So it was a very tiny town. Um, there was a place, that chimney has been built there, but there was a place for, you know, smoke to go, go out and for them to have a little dwelling place inside, right? 
So, so this, I know it's kind of obscure, but this, this would be kind of an, a Nazareth sort of, of place. So here's this angel that meets her in, in a very lowly, dirty, low-income part of town and tells her that she is going to have the Messiah, and she gets very excited about that. But the thing that she did not understand at the point that she said, let it be as you had said, is what that would actually mean for the rest of her life and the changes that was going to occur as a result of her having the Christ child. For instance, she almost had a change in her life when she came back from visiting Elizabeth. Joseph, it says in Matthew, thought of putting her away because she was found with child. And to be honest with you, I don't, I don't necessarily blame Joseph for this because she came back and said, oh, um, God, God put this baby inside of me. And Joseph went, what in the world did you do with Elizabeth? I thought they were priestly. I thought they were good godly people. What in the world was going on there? Can you imagine that? I had, a, I had a teenager one time, a long time ago, when I was a youth pastor, come and tell me that she got pregnant in a pool. The water. So I quickly told her and her mom that that is really not the way it works. And her mom argued with me about that, and I said, well, um, I'm not really sure how you had this kid, but I guarantee you, you wasn't swimming when it happened. So here is Mary coming back. You've got to understand, Mary comes back, and she's found with child, and here's Joseph, and he doesn't know what to do. And immediately, Joseph's heart, heart sank to the bottom because he loved Mary. And he's wondering what to do with her. Does he stone her according to the law, or does he put her away? And he decided to put her away quietly because Joseph was a righteous man. He was highly favored. And so an angel, the same angel, appears to him and says, no, believe what Mary has told you, believe in the announcement and go with it. So the first kind of display, displacement, if you will, for Mary was that she didn't know if Joseph was going to be her husband or not. She didn't know if he was going to go with her or not. She didn't know if she was going to be alone. But you know what? Mary was just fine with what, however that turned out because she had the Christ child inside of her and she knew that she had been chosen to carry it. So you go to the next step. There's a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. I'm getting tired of that thing in my pocket. And this too. They don't feel at home there. So all the world should be taxed. So from Nazareth, they had to figure out how to get a donkey in the last stages of pregnancy. And they had to travel all the way to Bethlehem. All the way to Bethlehem. And they could not find a place to stay. The only place that they could find to stay was a stable. And that is where she had the Christ child. And immediately she is displaced from her home. She is displaced from everything that she knew. And she is displaced and placed and she holds this child and she did not realize what that exactly meant. Eight days later, they take the baby to Jerusalem and and um, they do the, the circumcision and all that kind of stuff and name him Jesus. And then they go right back to Bethlehem. And they stay at Bethlehem for another year and a half. And these wise men show up. 
Now, in a year and a half, a mom would have made any home a home, right? Because that's what moms do. They're very good at it. Guys, we try to do that and we, we try to provide a home, but there's something about a woman's touch in a home. And I'm not trying to be anything but truthful. There's just something about it, something special about it, something a little softer about a home that a woman takes care of. Just something softer about it, more homey. So she has had time to make wherever lodging they are a home. And these wise men come in and they come in with these um, gifts and they give it to her. And in a dream, Gabriel tells the wise men to go back a different way. And in another dream, tells Joseph to head out to Egypt. So now Mary, who has accepted the announcement, has moved to Bethlehem. She's been there maybe a year and a half or a little bit more. And now she has to leave her country. She has to flee for her life. She has to, she's maybe worried about the baby being killed. So they moved down to Egypt and they lived there for two to four years. So for six years-ish, Mary is displaced from her home. Then Herod dies and they're able to move back to Nazareth and she's back home again. The announcement that she received moved her to different positions that she never dreamed of. Moved her to Bethlehem, moved her to Egypt, moved her back home. She just didn't realize what accepting the announcement would actually mean. Accepting the announcement. She was displaced. Have you ever been displaced? Ever been displaced? Yeah. Yes. England to, that is a displacement. Ever been displaced? And you just feel like where you're at is not really home. Have you ever felt displaced? I submit to you this morning that if you are really serious about your Christian walk and you're really serious about following God and his announcements to you, it doesn't matter where he places you in life. You're always at home. Because home is more than a place that you have here. Home is when God has a place in your heart and he dwells there. Home is when you are so submissive to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit, that whatever state you're in, you are content because you're at home with inside yourself. And I believe that Mary was displaced only on a local basis. She believed the angel's word to her. She held the Christ child in her arms. She knew that it happened. And inside in her very soul, it was at rest because she was following the announcements of God. Do you know something that if, if you have a home, the very smallest little things can, can upset your unity in that home? Can it? The smallest little things can upset the unity of that home. I've counseled people before that things have happened in their home and the best counsel I could give them was to move. 
Because every time they walked into the room, a room, they remembered that moment. And they just couldn't get past that moment. Home was great, and then that moment happened, and then they just couldn't, they couldn't sleep in the same room. They couldn't eat at the same table. They just couldn't be in the same living room. And so the best, the best advice for them was to move out of the house as a family and find another place to make a home. The slightest little things can make you feel displaced. I would submit to you this morning that the slightest little sin in your life can make you feel displaced. I was in a conversation with um, a f- sort of a friend. I've known, I've known him since he was six and now he's older. But a conversation with him this week about a particular, particular issue in his life that he has. I really don't know how, how to do all this. You wouldn't know him, but um, this, particular, this particular individual is involved in something that he shouldn't be involved in. So what he does on Facebook is he blasts Christians and he blasts other people and he's always, he's always criticizing other people. So in a messenger that nobody would see, I, I told him, because I know him, that the stuff that you're shouting about on Facebook is not really your real issue. What is your real issue? And I know what his real issue is. I know what it is. So after a conversation of a couple of lines, we get to the place where he says, well, all Christians condemn me because, and he lists out his sin. You see, his problem is not everybody else. His problem is the fact that he has sin inside of him. He is a Christian and he feels dislocated. But he has bought into deception, into thinking that the way he's living is right, and every other Christian in the world should agree with the way that he's living. And there are Christians that can't do it because there is an announcement against that activity. Come on. See, I don't make the rules. Aren't you glad? Because none of you would listen to Christmas music before December 1st. (laughs) None of you. I don't make the rules. I don't make the announcement. I just proclaim it. If you go down the line of deception and you feel displaced and you're wondering why you just don't have that security, you're wondering why inside you don't feel at home, it is because you are sinning and Jesus is outside the door knocking, wanting to come back into your life, wanting to be a part of your life once again, wanting to dwell with you once again so you can have peace. Come on. Come on, Christians. I've heard people tell me that pornography is okay because of what their spouse is doing. And I'm here to tell you, pornography is never okay. The Bible says lust is a sin. The Bible says that you're supposed to be faithful to your spouse, your wife or husband, whichever one it is, and you leave this stuff alone. Once you fall into the deception that, well, well, she's not, she's not, she's not, so I can go down this road. Once you do that, You're living in a natural world and you are away from the miraculous. As hard as marriage is to keep a unity in, 
bless our hearts. There is something still miraculous about it when you work on it. There's something special about it when you work on it. I know that when I say things like, you need to watch how much you drink and you need to not get drunk because the Bible tells you not to be drunk. It tells you to be filled with the Spirit. I know that there are people that do not like it when I say it. I know that. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I didn't write the book. The Bible says it is not healthy for you to be drunk and you need to make sure you don't go there. You just need to make sure you don't go there. The Bible says that we are supposed to be truthful to each other and not lie. And there are people that lie to their spouses. There are people that lie to their kids. There are people that lie to their employees, employers. There are people that, that lie just because it's a part of their life. And the Bible says the best way to live your life is to live it in truth. But it's easier if I, if I just lie over here. Well, that's natural. And once you start living there, you live away from the miraculous. I'm going to tell you something shocking. There is one reason why I don't lie. There's really two, but there's really the number one reason in God. Is that fair? I can't remember some of the things that I've said. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So if I can't remember what I said, I better tell the truth because the truth never changes. And so if I repeat something, it's going to be the truth. If I remember, do, do you see what I'm saying? I don't even know. I don't know how you could keep up with all the lies that people keep up with. They really don't because you catch them in them. But nonetheless, you, you have an announcement. You live in the announcement. There are very few people today that like to self-reflect. See, we like to reflect on other people, right? We like to say, If you just wouldn't, if you just stop doing that, Vicky. Or we're talking in a, in a group and, and there's, there's like, there's like um, a husband and a wife talking together and the wife says, well, if he quits doing this, the marriage will be better. And the guy says, well, if she quits doing that, the marriage will be better. And that is reflecting on each other rather than reflecting on yourself. If you come to marriage counseling with me, I'm telling you that only do it a certain number of times, but the second time in or whatever, whenever I feel like it, I'm going to ask you, well, what do you need to change? And that is usually when the counseling ends. <laughs> and they start thinking, and, and it goes back to the other spouse, and no, 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 what do you need to change? Because in marriage, you can only change yourself. And if you're having a problem in your marriage, it's both of you. It's both of you. Always is. Now, there's some things, a little different, not going to go there, but it's both of you. Self-reflection is just taking a moment to say, where have I sinned and what do I need to change? What are the announcements in Scripture that I'm not abiding by? What are the things that I'm doing that, that, are, that don't match up to Scripture? 
the way I treated that individual right here, was that the right thing? And you go down to the little things and you just really self-reflect and you take, a time, you take time each day to self-reflect to figure out what you're doing and what you need to correct and how you need to be better. Instead of pointing at somebody else, pointing out their faults that you can't do anything about, reflect on yourself. We've lost the art of self-reflecting. When we don't self-reflect, it's easy for us to be deceived. You understand that? Are you, are you tracking? When we don't self-reflect, it's easy for us to be deceived. It's easy for us to go down the road to say, that's not really what the Bible says. It's okay because of this in my life and blah, blah, blah. When we don't self-reflect, we're easily deceived, easily deceived. So which side are you living on? Which side are you living on? Today, are you living on the side of announcement or the side of deception? Let me give you a, a few things. Colossians chapter 3, verse, verse 16 says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. That means that the message in the word of God needs to dwell in my heart in a rich way. It oozes out of me. It oozes out of you. The message of Christ in you is a way that you're living in the announcements of the Bible. Colossians chapter 119 says, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3.17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, I dwell in the word the word dwells in me, and that word is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the more I allow him to dwell and guide my life with his announcements in the way that I should go, the better person I am, and the more in his image I become, and the more great things I can do while I'm here because he is doing them through me. Right? He dwells through me. And you and I can become lights of the Lord Jesus Christ where people feel the presence of God when we are in the room, though they may not even be saved. And that draws people to salvation, for them to ask forgiveness of their sins and for Jesus to dwell in their hearts and their lives. That is what we're going for. We're not trying to be deceived. We're trying to live in the announcements so that the kingdom of God can grow and more people can go to heaven and more people can be discipled. That's what we're going for. That's what we're going for. So which one do you live on? The side of deception or the side of announcement? Do you feel dislocated because of the sin in your life? And you need to ask forgiveness of it and open the door in Jesus back into your heart today so that you can feel at home again? Is that something you need to do? 
It might be. I can tell you that there's somebody active with a kingdom that is present in this room that doesn't want you to feel at home ever. He started it in the Garden of Eden and he continues it today. And you've just got to figure out which voice you want to listen to. The voice of deception or the voice of announcement. This is really last and I know I'm a Baptist preacher so that means three more things. The good voices in your mind announce what the Bible says. The evil voices in your mind sound the same, but they're trying to get you to doubt what the Bible says. That is the major difference between the two. Let's pray.